Boom, now we're hot. Now I'll be able to sync that. We did a, a whole damn episode, hour, hour and a half in, and fucking didn't hit that record button. Jeez, that would suck. It did. Do it all over again? Probably the next day. Uh, especially when you get some really good stuff. Yeah, no shit. Trying to react that, trying to re- recreate that. Yeah. <clears throat> okay, I'll do a little intro, and then any if you think of anything, do you, do you want to... I'll, I'll write stuff. I'll usually think about stuff all the time and whenever just chime in on anything. Yeah. Yeah. Feel free. Just ask away. It's just a bullshit session. Like, yeah. Ask away and we'll bullshit through it. What I should, I, I should almost Instagram live this, but I'm not going <clears> to. <throat> Probably would only get like 60 people watching it. Okay. I'm going to do. You guys are online. You guys are two and four. Chat. Check. Maxed. Sounds pretty good. Okay. I muted you out for real quick. Just throw on here. Do a little bit of an intro and then we're going to get into it. What's up, guys? I'm James O'Neill. You're here with O'Neill Ops, and this is the Predator Hunter Podcast. This is the place where we break it down. We go into detail with the equipment that we use and how we use that equipment application specific. Today, this whole weekend, actually, we've had some special guests, some guys that, some fellas that we've been working with for uh, quite a quite a while, and we talked with Rich yesterday at Ultimate Night Vision. Tyler Adair from uh, Ultimate Night Vision came down, and Chris Robinson from the Night Crew came down with them. And if you guys don't know our history, I'll kind of, kind of, uh, briefly reflect on that real quick for you guys. But the first time that I met Chris was probably close to just six, seven years ago. I would say longer than that. It's ten years ago. Was like 2010. Okay. Okay. Okay, and you you would you remember? I would honestly say that that was probably some of the most intense uh, coyote hunting that I really got into. When we were filming, uh, you were with Mossy Oak at the time, or you uh, you were with Carnivore at the time, right? And we literally had probably the most epic hunt, not not over exaggerating, that I've ever filmed or or ever taken part of where we actually killed multiple singles a double a triple a quad and a quint all on two hd cameras in a matter of like 20 hours less than that probably more like 10 hours of film time crazy and then things just kind of progressed from there chris kind of did his thing and uh we did our thing with YouTube and it's been really cool to see the progression that you've that chris has made in the past decade from the the basically being a film man for a certain show to not only a film man but a producer of his own show to now having 
a, a snowball effect on a YouTube channel that's well over 100,000 subscribers and looking to be significantly more soon. Uh, the, the, one of the things that I would really like to kind of stress is there's, there's a lot of coyote hunters out there. There's a lot of killers out there that you may not hear of and that a lot of guys might know about, but there's not very many guys out there that shoot. When I say shoot, I mean film their own kills, edit their own kills, render, upload, produce, and, and show what they do. There, there's not a whole lot of guys out there that do that. Most most guys are talking heads, and they hire somebody else to to film it. And I take like a a, a personal uh, interest, if you will, in guys that go that extra step. It, it's work that people have no idea that's involved. They they don't have any idea how much work is involved in that. They they just they don't. And um. With with that said, that's kind of the, the brief introduction of 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 kind of the introductory relationship that that we had with Chris. Why don't you just introduce yourself and tell guys what how you started doing it? Let's start there. T -t tell guys how you started. What how, what got you into it and kind of how you've progressed? The filming side or just the killing side? I start from the first that you started doing first. Whether it was filming first or killing first, and then you're like, "Hey, why don't we do this?" What, however, you started. Well, I really just as far as predators and night hunting, I got into it when I was, you know, a little kid. I was probably eight years old, nine years old. In fact, um, the first show in season six, which is about to start on Sportsman's Channel here in about two weeks, it's actually a, a show that goes back all the way to the beginning, the very beginning of how I really kind of got into night hunting and predators and just kind of that's where it all kind of started um and I hunted I hunted a bunch with my dad growing up and I kind of got out of it a little while I started doing more fishing and uh probably when I was about I don't know 18 19 years old I really got back into night hunting and just kind of figuring out how it worked and then from there it went to you know me and a few buddies we hunted a lot at night and we hunted some tournaments and had some success and we we got to the point where we we're like you know some of the stuff that we're doing if we could just show people some of this if we could bring our hunts and show people what we're experiencing I've always I've always felt like if if we can convey the fun that we have across the, a tv screen and if the viewer can actually enjoy it only half as much as we did actually being there then we could have some kind of successful audience you know a successful show and when it when we first started filming was back in 2007 that's when I bought my first camera and uh we after do you, about do you remember what the camera was it was a Canon uh XHA1 it was an old uh it could it filmed on these little mini DV cassette tapes a little they were just garbage I mean compared to the stuff that we have now and uh it was a really, at the time, that was Canon's kind of for the, you know, that level of camera. It was, it was a nice camera. But um, long story short, as I'm sure you well know, there's a, a big separation between killing and filming. The two don't go together. It's like you, you either have to decide, okay, I'm either going to go out killing and have a good time, leave the camera at the house, or we're going to basically make that camera in charge. And if, unless you take that approach with it, you just as well just go have fun killing and leave the camera at the house. 
you know. So what what happened, and to further complicate it, because we're night hunters, we had to get a, around the situation of the fact that it's you're basically taking a camera out into complete darkness, even a high dollar camera. They don't work in complete darkness. You got to basically have good lighting for any camera, even if it's a hundred thousand dollar rig. It's got to have good lights. Yeah. Why, why look- don't you before you get as far as your night hunting? It's a little different than what we do as far as night hunting. Mm-hmm. And there might be some people that don't know what kind of night hunting you do, per se. Why don't you explain, like, how okay. you go about your night hunting deal real quick? Yeah, there's a big difference between Texas and most of the other states. We're probably the most relaxed state when it comes to night hunting laws. I mean, there's, I think there's only two or three states in the country that you can actually legally hunt from a vehicle. And Texas is one of them. And when I grew up, when me and my dad were going out, we would go and hop in the back of a, of a truck take the spare tire and stick it up on top of the cab of the truck and that was our shooting rest if something come in yep. from the back we didn't freehand yeah, yeah it was pretty much just you know do what you you had to do to kill them yep so at any rate we built high racks and i think the one that we're on now is probably like the fourth or fifth version of the latest ones that we built but the last one that we built was probably back in about 2012 the one that we're running now it's kind of evolved. We've tweaked some things on it, but long story short, Texas lets us hunt. We can kill as many bobcats as we want, 365 days a year, many coyotes as we want, many foxes we want. Um, there's a lots of things that we can do that a lot of other states, unfortunately, and obviously, you know, luckily guys like you are kind of paving the way for more night hunters to be able to hunt with thermal and night sure. vision equipment, stuff like that. But primarily Texas... <sighs> From the time I was probably about 18 to the time I was probably 35 was primarily if you were a night hunter, you're a spotlighter. That was kind of the thing. And that was kind of before the days of thermal and before they got really, really popular in, in predator hunting or hog hunting in Texas. Well, growing up, that was kind of that was kind of our bread and butter was, you know, if we were going to go out at night, we were going to be hunting coyotes or bobcats with lights because that's what our area has. We don't have any fox. It's mostly all coyotes and cats. But from from a law standpoint, it's kind of hard to compare Texas to really any other state because there's no other state out there that you can get away with what we do there. It's just, it's unfortunate. I wish it was different. I wish every state allowed hunting just like we, we have in Texas because it's so much fun. Sure. You know, but um, lately within the past six or seven years, obviously thermal has kind of made a, a huge there's been a big transition as far as the way that a lot of guys go about it. Uh, you know, since thermals become, it's getting more uh, competitive as far as the, the brands that are out there. They're more affordable for a lot of guys to be able to afford it. But there's still a bunch of guys that kind of are come from the same generation that I did. I'm 42. You know, I don't consider myself to be super old, but I'm a lot older than a bunch of these kids that are, you know, they, they decide they want to go night hunt. Well, what do they do? The first thing they do is they see all these guys running thermal, and they're like, we got to go get thermal yep. and kill coyotes. Well, for, for me, no matter, don't tell Tyler I said this, no matter how much thermal becomes popular, no matter how cheap it gets, no matter how good it gets, I will always be a light guy at heart. No matter what, the the if and I, keep your keep your train of thought. But like I'm, I the way that I put it together is I put a a value on our day footage, mm-hmm. and I can assi- I can relate that to your your night footage with a light. 
it seems like a kill under light or with like a, a lensed camera mm-hmm. has X amount more value than that thermal kill. Yes. hundred percent. Yeah. Until even if thermal got to the point where it was 4k and I could go out and get a 4k camera, the guys see the, most of the guys that are, when they first get into it, if they jump straight into thermal, they don't understand what it means to have a light on your head. You're calling, you're scanning 360, you're looking around, looking around. It's kind of like the best analogy I can make for it. If you've ever went fishing and you you cast out a, a cork and you, you see that cork go boop and disappear, that excitement you get, that feeling that you get just that, I mean, you see it a thousand times and you still get just as excited about it as the first time it ever happened. happened. It's the same thing when you're scanning and boom, there's a set of eyes going back at you like laser beams and for me that's that's the thing that I grew up doing and that's what I cut my teeth on hunting at night and that's what I want to see and that's what I like to do the thermal for us is 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 the best way to put it it's a supplement to 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 benefit what we already do and it's it's not necessarily something that I would if I had to trade one or the other it would always go back to there's just Something about seeing those coyotes, having a coyote standing there at 20 yards lit up like a Christmas tree, and he has no clue that you're there. Yep. He can't see anything. All because he's blinded. In fact, the amount of light from the time they get to about 70 yards, 60, 70 yards, there's actually technically more light on that coyote than ones you filmed during the middle of daytime. So what's a what's a, what's a a call shy coyote look like for you as far as, like what? Later in the season, our day footage, we'll get call shy coyotes. What, I what, think, well, do you, I think, do you see the same thing with, well, with the night que- hunting? Well, when it comes to, I think the question is worded a little bit not wrong. For us, it's a light shy coyote. Okay. Yeah. Because the one of the things that thermal has done is, in a way, because of the fact that a lot of guys now are running thermals instead of driving down the road spotlighting. Wherever they go, guys that just want to go out and do whatever, hitting every coyote they see and squeaking at it. Now they're cruising the back rows with thermal. And what that does for a light guy, it actually helps him. Because when I go in that same spot and I call that coyote up and hit him with the light, he doesn't associate that light with danger, getting shot at, smelling you. It's It, it actually helps the guys that are out there shining. So – when it comes to actually seeing those coyotes that are educated, like what you're discuss- you're talking about, we have a lot of coyotes in our area that just flat out will not come to a call. In fact, one of the advantages that we've had with thermal, now if we've got a coyote out in a pasture that's educated, we can see them out there reacting to it. And we've had some that will pull in a pasture, get in on them good, where everything's nice and quiet, don't burger them, they're still happy you know doing their thing and you hit a call and they about do a backflip and turn inside out trying to get out of there before we would have never even seen that coyote sure those are we have plenty of those in our area um but when it comes to a light there's a big difference between a coyote that basically has been well let me lean back up a coyote that's been called and and hit with the light or he's been called and hit with the light and he smelled you and got out of there, those coyotes, they, it's real easy to, to educate a coyote when you're dealing with lights. 
I think it's a lot harder because they lose their visual when they're dealing with thermal a lot of the times. But the coyote that usually in most cases, and people see when they watch the show, they see these animals coming into this big, huge light, and they're like, how in the world are these animals doing that? I bet they spook a bunch of them with that big light. Well, in fact, most of the time when we have a coyote that gets boogered from a light, it's before those lights ever even come on. What will happen, Ronnie usually has a scampro on his head. You'll shine 360, and it's just basically bright enough to detect eyes based on the size of field we're hunting. So if you got a 500-yard opening, he's got his light dialed in bright enough to where if a cow pops out, he can see it at that distance most of the time. So a lot of times what will happen whenever we hit those cows with, with his first light, you'll see them for a split second, and then boom, they're gone. The big lights won't even come on at that point. So... For us to be successful, it's just really a matter of whenever we have that happen with a coyote, instead of trying to go back to that same spot after, you know, time after time after time, trying to get that same coyote to, to kill him with the light, we go find another coyote that hadn't seen it. We keep hunting until we find the right coyote. And if we keep doing that, eventually we're going to bump into a dumb one that hadn't seen it. And those are the ones that will come literally walk right up to us with as much light as we've got. Just blasting them right in the face. So will a, will a coyote, I mean, do they try and wind you, circle you at, when you hit that, we hit them with a big light or no? I mean. If most of the time, if if we get to a point to where we've got a coyote that's committed and he's, he's kind of past the first stage, which when I say the first stage, he's been hit with the, scam, the headlamp and he keeps coming like that light ain't even there, <clears throat> people, people ask, and I, I'm going to answer your question here in a second. People ask all the time, they ask, how in the world do you guys get those, get those animals to come to that light like that? And what, what I tell them is, we're not getting them to come to a light. We've never made one single coyote or one single bobcat ever come to a light. We're making them come to a sound. And the reason that they're, that they're dealing with that light is because their mind is on something else. It's not on that light that's staring them in the face you got to think those animals, they've lived their whole life chasing rabbits and rats and whatever. As long as that sucker hadn't seen it and we hit him with that first light, usually the ones that are not educated to it will just, it's like the light doesn't even exist. Yep. And when we find those, typically unless we screw something up, like if we bang something or you know do something that's not right and just puts them on alert, he's just going to keep coming. Most of the times when we get them committed and they're coming and once the big lights are on them, it's usually just a matter of getting them where we want them and killing them for the most part. Does that answer your question? Yeah, That's if, cool, if, dude. If, if you yeah. guys want to see some stuff that, I mean, get coyotes close and you want to see 10 yards, 15, whatever shots or coyotes that close, the, the night crew stuff is what you want to check out. Yeah. And These guys I, get them in the back of the truck. I I was, I am not shy about telling guys that you you're – if you do good enough work, it's going to get seen. And the work that you guys do is, it's I appreciate top it. notch. You know, there's there's nothing out there like it. I mean, for how close you get, how clear it is, the attention to detail, it's like Nat Geo kind of Shoot, I don't know filming. If, I don't know if I'd go that deep. It, it's it's cool, <laughs> dude. I mean, we're not. It's it's just how it is. But uh, so from from when you started filming. When you started hunting, you kind of did that. What what would you say your first gig was? What what led you into your first uh, your your first cameraman gig or 
or was or did you film did you do a dvd first and then transition to working doing a cameraman for being a cameraman for someone or how did that go um well the first thing that we did we decided we had this idea that we were going to make a million dollars off of making this predator hunting this night hunting dvd we've been there dude we've been there (laughs) yes we sold we had one of them yeah we had one of them gave away more than we sold right (laughs) so about that time frame i want to say it was 2009 somewhere 2008 2009 somewhere in that ballpark when we first started filming we were filming with the red light and you know there's a big debate as far as oh you got to have a a red light you got to have a green light or a white light Bottom line, I won't go off into that rabbit hole. Use what you <laughs> yeah, want to use. Yeah. Use what you want to use, whatever suits yeah, you we best. We all know thermal's the, word, the way to go, right, Chris? Huh? <laughs> we all know thermal, <laughs> thermal's the way to go anyway. Yeah, right? I think when somebody asks me what color light I need, to, they need to use, I'm just going to say, just go buy thermal. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, no, but at any rate, we, uh, when we first started, we were using a red light, and we quickly, within the first six months, we got to the point where it was like, okay, this ain't going to work. I mean, it was like, trying trying to fit a square peg in a round hole thermal makes it like compared to what we were trying to do with the red light and a nice camera what the the technology we have now is with thermal just being able to go out there and hit a button and record it's i mean it's not even close to the the difficulty so we finally were like okay we got to try the white light there's other guys that have used that used a white light, so we knew okay those guys are hunting in Texas, so they could pro- we could probably do it if they're doing it because our animals and the terrain and stuff are probably pretty similar to theirs. So I thought okay one of these days let's just go hunt. And back then we were using um, those big light force lights. They were like this big. I think it was like a one light force two forty or something like that. it was giant. I mean it looked like you're like like that light right there. And we, we decided, okay, we're going to take the lens cap off of it, the red filter that came with it off, and we're just going to try it just to see what happens. It was either going to basically, when we hit that first coyote with it, he was either going to tuck tail and run or he was going to keep coming like they always had with the red light. So we pull in this pasture, and uh, back then we were shooting a lot of shotguns. We don't shoot a whole lot of shotguns anymore, but uh, Ron, matter of fact, Ronnie was on the shotgun, and uh, – we're shining, we're shining, hit this coyote with this light, and he's in, like, probably in fourth gear, and he's coming, and he just kept on coming. Well, the guy that we had on the light, he kind of hesitated for a second and took the main beam off of him. You know, you got the halo underneath, and he was holding him in the halo, and I'm trying to film him, and I was like, dude, he's coming. Just put the whole light on him, see what he does. So we lowered that light down on top of him, and I'll be dang that coyote. That light wasn't even there. And he kept on coming. He kept on coming. Finally, at like 20 yards, we shot him with a 12-gauge. It's like, ding. So at that point, we're like, okay, A, red light's never getting used ever again to film with. B, a white light is possible. How do we make it better? And for me, personally, from a, a, a video standpoint, I always, from day one, I've always felt like if we ever get in the truck after a good hunt or a good kill, and we say, well, I think that's usable. If we ever say that, nobody ever sees it. Because unless it's yeah, something that's yeah. exceptional that gets people's attention, how is that going to separate what, what we're showing people from whatever all the other stuff that's out there? So long story short, we spent probably, I don't know, one season hunting with a handheld white light. I don't know if I ever told you this story or not, but... It's kind of funny how it all turned out. 
when you're filming at night, when you're not running thermal and you're, you're running lights and a camera and there's two different people doing that, <laughs> there's no physical way possible that that light and that camera are ever in sync. And the guy that was on the light, it doesn't matter how hard he tried to be still. Man, I had it right on him. <laughs> yeah, it's no matter how hard he, it's just like you could sit there and watch it. The camera will be steady as can be, but the light guy's just sitting there and the light's just quivering. Well, what it does is it kind of, it gives the effect that the camera's shaking. Sure. And it's not. Sure. And uh, we'd have these cows coming in nice and pretty, and they'd get up there at 60 yards, and they'd just smile for the camera. And then as soon as the gunshot go off, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I was like, and I finally got the point where I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to fix this. So I decided I'm going to take a light. I'm going to f- – that camera head that you've got, same one that you've got. I said, I'm going to figure out a way to attach a light to that camera to where no matter where that camera goes – there's always going to be a light looking down the lens of that camera. He could go over there and be giving Morse code <laughs> to the moon, and I still got a light. It don't matter. So we f- I f- came up. You should see this thing. It's kind of like, remember how Iron Man went through that transformation yep. in his first suit to, like, the one he's got now? That's kind of what it was like. So I built this thing, and it's, like, giant, you know. It's got one big light in the front of it. And uh, I t- at the time – we had kind of gone through the transition of the red light to the white light. Now we're thinking, I wonder if they'll put up with two lights. That was like, back. it was funny how the, our mindset was like, oh, my God, I just don't know if this is going to work or not, you know. But it, it had never been proven to us, so we yeah. were like, okay, we got to try this. So the plan was that whenever the animal came, the handheld light would get on the animal and – as the animal was coming, if we get them committed, we were going to turn this light on the camera on. So I can remember like it was yesterday. We get this cow coming. Guy's got the light, the handheld light on him. I get my camera light on. And it's funny because you can see the camera light is just steady as can be. It's like rock solid in the middle of the frame. And the, and the old handheld light's just <laughs> doing this in the middle of the frame, but you can still see it. And uh, about that time, he took his light off of it. And I th- and I thought, no, put it right back on him. Just just see, you know, just to see what it what it does. Well, sure enough, the cow with both lights, the handheld light and the camera light, walked right up to the truck. We ended up killing it at like 40, 30, 40 yards. And when that happened, I thought to myself, if we can get away with with two lights, I wonder what would happen. Because at the at that time, the footage that we had was basically you'd have this this frame. In the middle of it, you'd have this big donut of light where that one light was, and then you'd have this dark edge of it. And I thought to myself, you know, it would look really cool if everybody could see all of the terrain around the animal as well as just that donut of light. So I thought, you know, I'm going to make a light that goes on the animal, and then I'm going to put one to the left and and on the right, okay, And, and hope that it wouldn't make any difference. Well, seven, eight years later, we basically went through five or six different light rigs that we've made to basically film, and now we're essentially filming with with four lights, which are actually way brighter than those other lights that we used to film with. But it's been kind of a – it's evolved over time into this contraption that we never thought at the time was going to make a, a big a difference in the way the footage looks. 
But we knew instantly when we called up that first coyote and we hit him with that first light that was mounted to the camera, it totally changed night footage. It just, bottom line is there was nothing else that I had personally seen up to that point that had both of the, the camera and the light in sync. It's, they were always all over the place. And most of the stuff that's out there, at least back then, was mostly red lights. So usually when you had an animal even under 50 yards, it would be a silhouette and a set of eyes. Yeah. You know, and it's like, who wants to watch that? Yeah. At least that's the way yeah. I feel. Yeah, yeah. See, there's no color to it, just oh. basically monotones. And, yeah. And a silhouette. But at any rate, I'm, did I get derailed? No. No, oh, no. Man. So, well, let's, uh, so, okay, you, you, you went to. I never even answered your question. No, well, 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 that's fine. You went to the, 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 the mounted light. So you did a DVD first. Right. This was when we finished the first DVD was before we basically, it was right about the time that we built the first light. I think we had one or two kills on that first video that we had a camera mounted light on there. With white light. With white light, with the camera mounted light. The, the second one that we did was almost all camera mounted light because it just, I mean, it blew the footage, the old footage away. So that's what we, yeah. we went with on the second one. Well, about the time that we got the second one done, we uh, to when we were at the point where we wanted to kind of release it to the public, we were going to go to a, a show. There's a trade show that's in Texas every year in Fort Worth called Texas Trophy Hunters. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but in Texas, it's you know it's a pretty it's a pretty big show. Well, we built this nice booth and everything, and and um, we you know had a flat screen TV up mounted in it with the, with, you know, the video playing and stuff while we were there, we sold a bunch of videos and stuff like that. But what happened, um, there's a, uh, a guy named Gary Robertson. And if, I don't know if you've heard of Burnham brothers calls. Well, yep. at that point in time was, they were at the point where, where Gary and another uh, guy, which you know, is Dustin shed, they were kind of putting together this plan to have this, predator hunting show on pursuit channel and they knew that they wanted to have some nighttime guys to do night hunting that had nighttime footage because gary's a little older he doesn't want to stay up late and film night hunts that's just what it'll pull down to well they came by the booth and uh, gary was telling a story later he said i wanted uh, you know when i went by the booth and i saw the footage he's like i knew there was something that was a little different about it because you know, you usually don't see, when most people talk about hunting with lights, you usually don't see animals with that much light on them. It just, you just don't see that. And your mind, it's, it's hard to wrap your head around why those animals come to that light like that. So he's like, that's our night, guys. So from there, we basically, we spent the first four years, basically, as far as any kind of TV relationship, we did all their night hunting. We did usually two or three shows per season from the first season of Carnivore, that was the name of the show, is Carnivore. Um, the first season through the fourth season, we were their nighttime guys. Would you edit your own stuff for that then or no? No, back, okay. back then, and I was already editing back then. I was just kind of, first kind of, you know, I had edited the DVDs. Right. But I was, I was just trying to learn and figure out how to do my own stuff, and I... One thing I do see in, in you is, is you've got the same mindset that I know how I want it to look in my head, and until I get it that way, I'm not satisfied. And I and that that may be a bad thing, but it I, I really feel like that it 
it pushes me to try to make it as good as I could possibly make it. Um, and what happened when we were in about, I don't know, season three or four, I finally got to the point where I was like, you know, I love the show. I enjoy doing what we're doing for Gary and, and Carnivore. And that was a great a great experience for us. Before you keep going, were you you weren't only filming the night episodes. You were also weren't you were you traveling around with them filming for their day stuff as well, or did they have a different designated cameraman? They uh Gary's son Steve did a lot of the day filming for okay. Gary. Okay. But Dustin Dustin was uh, Mossy Oaks marketing director. And Dustin basically did some traveling on his own and whenever he went some, to some places. I, I went on a few of those trips. Matter of fact, one of the one of them was obviously the one that we went up here and filmed with you guys, which was awesome. That was yeah. never forget that as long as I live. But but um no I most of the times that when I probably went on maybe eight or ten trips with them filming, helping them film, just running cameras and stuff like that. And so it was primarily the night gig is what you were I mean primarily that's what you did. Yeah that that was our that's that's our niche. I mean that that's what we did and and um in a nutshell, we basically spent the first four years with them. Well, right about the time that we were, you know, in that fourth season, I got to the point where it was like I wanted to have our own personal identity when it came to the way that people saw our footage and the way we, we portrayed it to people. And nothing against Gary or none of the producers of the show, but there's, it's kind of – it's like you guys – you know, you have your, you want your footage to look a certain way and you want it to come across a certain way, you know, to where it has a certain feel to it. And that's what I was looking for. And long story short, we spent two or three years trying to figure out how to, to make it work. There's a lot of ins and outs that, that a lot of people don't really understand when it comes to networks. And, you know, if you guys, guys see people on TV and they think, oh, those guys are making a fortune they're they're on the outdoor channel or sportsman's channel it's that's the furthest thing from the truth that you could possibly get you know in fact most of the people that are that are that have a tv show probably 98 percent of them have like a day job outside something that they do to support their hunting and their tv yeah. show that's just the bottom line and for us to physically, to feasibly and financially be able to go and do it, we had to make the right connections, find the right sponsors, which that's one thing we've been very fortunate is is from day one we've basically had the same key sponsors that are a natural fit into what what we want the show to be like. You know, we've got to sell their their products, but at the same time, we want to have a good show that has a good story. That every single week, nobody the the people that are following it are going to, they're not going to know what they're going to watch from week to week, you know, and we don't have to really, the people that are sponsored, that are all of our partners for the show, they've all been great sponsors that have products that we use. We actually yeah. legitimately yeah. use them. That's the big part. That's, I agree with that. It's tough to, to try to, you just get money from somebody for a product that you don't legitimately use. That's, that's I draw the line yeah. there and you know, and people will say, well, may say BS. I don't care. Yeah. There's been people that have come up to us and said, we would, we really want to sponsor the show. Can you, you know, put our products out there? And I honestly, the way that I look at it is if I have to deviate from the story that I want people to, to hear, to, to go and sell a product, that product is not the right fit for this show. Yep. And I would rather, I care more about the show than I do about making an extra buck 
to push yep. products. Nothing against a lot of people don't think they, that way though. That ninety way. I'd bet ninety percent of people don't. No, and the thing is what, what happens when they do that is you dilute the show with so many different products that at the end of it, the whatever if you do care about giving a good story, that story gets lost in all the dilution the, the the diluted stuff that you have to do to be able to make all those companies happy. To me, that's the biggest thing when you're dealing with outdoor programming is the model that they use for how a producer gets from point A to B. Usually in most big networks, you have a production company, they produce a show, the network buys that show from that production company. In outdoor programming, it's the reverse of that. I have a show, and then I have to go and buy that airtime, and for me to be able to 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 pay for that airtime, I've got to have partners that basically pay to advertise through my show to pay for that advertise for that airtime. And it's a really, really tricky balance. The the best thing that I can say for guys that, that may be thinking, okay, well, I want to have a TV show is figure out A, what can I do that's different? And B, what what products that I naturally use that I don't have to really go out of my way to sell on that show. Because we figured out that if, if people watch the show and they see how much fun we have and they, they see us using all the gear, they without us even have to say, hey, you need to yep. go and check yep. this out. Yep. You need to go and buy this or look at this or that. They're contacting us and saying, what are you guys using? Yep. Yep. You know, and that's – it's not subliminal advertising. It's just showing people. I mean, who wouldn't, who doesn't want to go have fun? You know, if you can show people how much fun this stuff is and, and, and you, you, you basically deliver it to them in a way to where they don't feel like they're getting products run down their throat. It just, that to me, that's a win-win for everybody in the end, you know? And most of your viewers uh, genuinely appreciate that. They do. You know, they, they get, they, they, uh, they see it not as a paid advertisement. Yeah, you know, it's and that's nothing nothing against guys that that's that's the way yep. they want to do it. If that's their thing and that's the way they want to run their show, then by God, that's their show. And if they're successful doing it, great. For me, I care more about the guy sitting there, the the mom and dad and kids sitting there on the couch, enjoying a show and getting hooked into it, to where they can't change the channel because they want to find out what happens. Yep. Yeah, that's cool. You know, that's yep. my that's my goal. That's real, that's a good goal. Uh, so you went from your you you went you progressed from early on. Then you went to the DVD. Then then uh, Carnivore picked you up. Then you decided to you, you wanted to do your thing. Mm -hmm. You knew that you could do it. You had goals. You had kind of a a mindset of how you wanted to present your footage. And then you 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 achieved that by basically starting your own show called the Night Crew or Night Crew on the Sportsman's Channel right which you're now in what season we're going we're actually this is going into season 6 okay season Gosh, 6 already that's crazy that? it doesn't seem like yeah. it should be uh -uh. season 6 already no it just seems like yesterday i was like yeah <laughs> we're about to go in this first first year i'm see yeah. how this goes yeah. this is either going to fail miserably or it's going to be good yeah <laughs> so but, go ahead go ahead uh, yeah, we're going into season six. It starts, I want to say that this year it starts like the last, either the second to last or the last week in December. 
somehow sometimes our first air week is actually the week before New Year's. Okay. So if guys want to watch it, they go on Sportsman's Channel and just look for Night Crew about usually about two or three weeks before it airs, it'll pop up on your guide. Yep. It, you'll see it pop up and it'll be on there. And now you nowadays you don't have to sit there and wait in line or wait or come in at a certain time. You can just DVR it. Yeah, DVR. That's <clears throat> be honest with you. I bet more than eighty percent of the people yep. that watch it probably DVR it. Yeah. So what night? What night did you say it was on? Uh, our primetime airing is on Monday nights at six thirty. I think okay. six thirty or yep. seven. So that's cool. The rest of them, you probably don't want to stay up to watch. <laughs> it's like one or two in the morning. Oh, God, yeah. But. So you you went, you did the, is there anything in between that from from the beginning to the, to the, to the, your sportsman's channel debut or your, your, your night crew show that you have now? Anything in between there that you, can think of that you might want to touch base on because uh, then we're going to go to the shit storm the the, <laughs> the 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 where it's going to get real yeah the the, the social media side of things oh i don't know I'm, let me think and what did you you said ronnie and who gary yeah get uh, them guys gary, been with you since day one yeah pretty much um ronnie's ronnie's been there from the beginning there's been a few guys that have kind of come and gone right and we've you know We've moved forward. That's one one good thing. And this is one thing I want to make sure everybody understands: is a there's not enough room in outdoor programming for any more celebrities. And we've never looked at it that way. The show, this show, is not about any one single person. You can yeah. tell you, it, well, but you, dude. When I see Night Crew, you're honestly the person that I. That's why I'm like, that's Chris. That's how we it's, know it. It's it's an automatic. Yeah. It, it's it, I think most people but automatically. Like you, said, you never like, you see mean? you. You know what I mean. You, you, you're the you're the, you're the cameraman. Camera you're the producer. You're the editor. It's just an automatic for somebody like me. That's how you see it. But I but we appreciate how it's how you genuinely look at it because you see ninety percent of other guys and they're they're the personality. They're like, hey, dude, it's about me. This is the you know. And again, if that's their thing, yep, knock yourself <laughs> yeah, out. Exactly. Yeah. But the way that we kind of look at it, I I personally have always looked at it from the approach that I don't see myself that interesting what people see to me the animals are the heroes of the the deal you know they're the ones that that's what i want people to see and be able to see stuff that they don't i mean you don't normally get to see and i feel like that we've from day one all the people that are involved have the same mindset we're not selfish we could care less about being in front of a camera you know and it's and we've kept it that way from day one and to me that's that's kind of why we've had the right recipe when it comes to the, 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 the individuals that are involved. And we've kept it, we've kept it on that level and, and never got a big head about anything. And I honestly genuinely can say that about everybody, Gary, Ronnie, Matt, and myself. And I think it shows. Yeah, for sure I mean, it does. Yeah. Yeah, you can tell. Yeah. Matter right. of fact, even like on the show, if you watch the show, whenever some, you know, most TV, most TV shows, whenever you got, you know, somebody pop up on the screen. It's like such and such name. It's got their title, pro staff, yeah, and all that. Yeah. When I, when when you see people that you hadn't seen in the entire show, you won't even, you won't see a name. It's like we don't care. Yeah, that's yep. a, we're, you we're know. Just, yeah. We don't care. Yeah. It's not about us. The show's about having fun hunting at night. And if 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 we can show that to people, then 
and bring no, and trying and trying to show the highest quality footage that you possibly can 100%. along the way. Hundred percent. Yeah, uh, and the footage too, and we figured out too, and the especially since Night Crew started, since we started the show, we figured out from from just editing and 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 trying to lay lay the shows out, we figured out that even the kills themselves kind of take a back seat to the story. Yeah, hundred percent. Yep. You know, we've had shows that had probably some of the least quality kills on them, but they had really good really good stories with them that, in my opinion, are like head and shoulders kept more captivating above some of the ones where you see some of the best coyote footage we've ever got, you know? So the, in the last three or four years, we've really tried to focus preseason before we really start filming on a, we, we make a list. We got 13 episodes before we ever even go out and, and take out for a night. We've got each individual show, at least for the most part, by the time we start filming, which is usually for us about September time frame, right, at, right towards the beginning of fall, we'll at least have eight or ten different stories or concepts or ideas in our head that when we go out, if we get a certain kill that fits a certain, it supports one of those stories when we go and we're driving down the road or we're doing a retrieval on an animal, all of those support the story instead of, basically making it all about a specific kill or something like that. I was just going to ask you, as far as your storylines and your different stories and whatnot, just throughout the year, I mean, are you the kind of guy that had, you know, you think of something and you're like, gosh, that'd make a good show. Or you write that story down, you know? And then, I mean, I've yeah. been driving down the road before and had an idea pop in my head and then grab my phone and turn a video on and just start talking. Yeah. Like, like narration. Yeah. Because yeah. for me, the, the, the hardest part, the back, the backbone of the show is the narrating part. And I, I never in my life thought that narrating <laughs> would be as difficult it is, as it is. And I, I cringe when I go back and I watch like season one or two because it's just when I watch it, it to me, it's horrible. Because I've, I've gotten to the point where it's like I kind of know how I need to, to write. I'll actually write out the narration for each show, <clears throat> believe it or not. <clears throat> we'll we'll basically lay the lay the timeline out, and then when it comes to the narrating part, I'll have my gaps in in between different s sections of the show that I know that's going to have to have narration, and I have a general idea of what most of the narration is going to be beforehand. But once I actually go in, it it comes time to actually record it. That's when you really realize how stupid you sound. <laughs> I'm serious, because whenever you go and you talk, you know to I know I sound like a hick. You guys don't. But yeah. when you talk to when you talk into a mic, you sound totally different when you play it back to yourself than you did saying it. Yeah. So I finally got the point when I started writing my narration, <clears throat> instead of like writing it like it's supposed to be, I actually write it the way I would say it. So a good example is instead of saying, I'm fixing to go do something, I usually would say I'm fixing to go do something. There's a big difference between those two. <laughs> that makes sense? Yeah. I know what you mean, yeah. So I write it, I'm F-I-X-ing yeah. <laughs> T-A-go yeah. D-U-S-O-M-P-T. Yeah. N. <laughs> I'm serious. So and That's how I, you write it down, huh? I'll write it down that way, and I'll read it, read through it right quick, and I'll be like, oh, okay, that sounds, yep. that sounds like me. Yep. And then say it. So that to me was like a, uh, I had to learn that part just through 
trial and error, you know, and trying to figure out how to make it sound like instead of when you're watching the show, instead it sounds like somebody's sitting there reading a teleprompter. Yep. It just sounds and feels like somebody's just sitting there and having a conversation with you because that's the way I wanted it to feel, you know. So you do a good right. job at it. Yeah, you, if you yeah. listen to how you verse everything and how it's very well spoken. I appreciate it, it, it. Yeah, it's it's good, dude. I'm trying. I promise. I, it's, it's not easy. Very pro, it's professional. That's I mean, the you, hardest part about it. I, I've I've actually sat back and thought about it, and I'm like, dude, that takes some brain power to, to do that. It's it's You have to think, the, the way you have to look at it, it's kind of like putting a puzzle together. You got to see the big picture at the end and figure out how do you, you start the story over here, and you basically tell that story until you get to the point where you've got kind of the hero moment the end where the story comes full circle and to do that through the video and through the narration it's basically like the narrator's having to hold the viewer's hand basically the whole time you know you're the one that's basically facilitating this show and hoping that the show comes across like you want it because if people can grasp the the story and they understand it and get it at the end and they enjoy it like legitimately enjoy it and you can and you can hit them here sometimes. Yep. That that's that's how you, in my opinion, that's how you have a, a winning show. Yep. So. And and when you when you uh, when you narrate it, it's not like most. It's not like you would think most stories or most videos are narrated. To me, like you, most guys, if you if they narrate it, they're just they're literally just recording what happened during the hunt. Yeah, there's a big difference between whenever somebody kills, a, uh, like let's say you go and kill a coyote, and they go up and they're talking about this coyote, he went over that hill and he went over behind that tree and he went over and did this. I mean, you just everybody yeah. just watched that. Yeah, yeah, you're just telling what yeah. happened. Like, yeah. But if you can convey how that made you feel, yep. that's to me how you convey how much fun you had. And it's a lot harder to do. That's why most people don't do it. It's a whole lot harder to yeah. do. That's, you know, and, and that's, I guess if you want to call it to me, the, the, the hook, yep. that's where the hook is at is when you can get people to feel the show and what they watched emotionally. That's to me, that's good movies. Yeah. Every oh, good heck movie, yeah. when you walk yep. out of there, you're like, dude, either. Yeah. <laughs> that got me. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That was good. So, so what's it? Six years you said, and then what, what, like what, what's your future look like for, for night crew? Living in a van down by the river, maybe. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I mean, is it? Is oh, there, yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, none of us know. You know, tomorrow could bear. Do you, do you enjoy? Do you enjoy doing it? I, you know, I really do. What I, I guess, the best way that I can kind of the best analogy that I can use when it comes to the show and trying to turn it's kind of art. Yeah. Oh hell yeah, it is hundred percent. You know, yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah, you look it's, at it. It's yeah. art, and whenever you get done with it, it's a, it's just like you step back and you say, "You did that. I did that. I like it." Yeah. You know, and for me, that's kind of just a, it's a bit of satisfaction, just feeling like that. You know, you've you've done something. You you've got something to show for it, and it and it. You know, people actually enjoy it. That to me is the, that's the the, the fuel to my fire is just trying to to make it better and make make the end result better each time, you know. And and that's tough to do. It really is. You keep – I, that's what you call – that's the difference between average and average and really extraordinary because what you're doing 
is you're 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 setting a goal, you're meeting it, and then you're setting another goal higher, and you're trying and you're meeting it, and you're setting another goal higher, and you're trying to meet it, and there's a point where you just where's it stop? Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's it ain't, the, it ain't gonna for me. That's what that's what's awesome. It ain't gonna. And the the thing is, like I told you yesterday, is whenever you get to the point where you feel like you've made it, then if you feel like you're you've you've reached your plateau and it's the best that it can be and it's you know it's never going to get any better, that's the point where you actually start going backwards. Yeah. Because yep. the guy that doesn't look at it that way, he's going to pass you. Yep. You know. So the way we look at it is, is unless we keep pushing the envelope, then. You know, you're just going to, you're going to maintain that plateau. Exactly. Yep. I heard a, a one of the shows I, I used to quote by, uh, he was a composer. He did like comp- compositions for like Batman and all these big high end movies. He said, his name was Hans Zimmer. He said, uh, he said, if there's a rule, break it because that's the only way things start moving forward. And I've always looked at that. Like, I don't give a rip what everybody says I can't do, I'm going to go just because they told me I couldn't do it. Yeah. I'm going to go yeah. and prove them I can do it. Yep. You know, it's the same thing with like some of the stuff that we've done with these lights. It's like from day one, you should, you should have heard some of the pushback we got <laughs> from the guys that were preaching. You got to have a red light to kill a couch. You can't kill a couch with a white light. And hell, yeah. I don't know how much more light we want to yeah. put on them yeah. to <laughs> prove that that's not true, you know, but stuff like that, that motivates me to, not necessarily prove them wrong, but I want to really prove them wrong. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I know? can see how that would That's, go. There's that side of me too. It's like, I am competitive, you know, and it's, I just like, like making it as good as we can make it, put yep. it that way. So I don't think there's anything wrong with that. No, that's what makes people, like I said, extraordinary. It sets ordinary from extraordinary. It's a, that's what makes people good. And worst. and this is another thing. No matter how how much we learn and no matter how much we get to the point where it's like we've got these things figured out, the the highest, doesn't matter if you're day hunting, night hunting, running lights, running thermal, it don't matter. The highest that you will ever reach, the highest that you'll ever reach, the highest that I'll ever reach as far as a title is at best is learners, no matter what. We're all going to be learners till the day that we die because a coyote, the first time that you think that you've got yep. it figured out, they're yep. going to put you on your knees. And I think if you, you stop, yep. if you stop learning, you lose. Exactly. You know, especially with technology, if technology keeps getting better and better and better, you know, we were talking about it the other day. These guys are going out and they're killing a hundred coyotes in two or three nights. 15 years ago, heck, seven or eight, nine years ago, I've, I had never seen or heard of anything like that. Yeah. A lot of it has to do with technology. And the way that at the rate that that's going, you know, until until you stay in front of that and constantly be pushing what you do to be the best you can at it, you're going to get left behind. Yeah. That's the bottom line. It's almost scary it if really you sit back is. and look at it with the, how fast technology is advancing. It's It's twofold over and from what we had you you know from your from five years ago till now just looking at the thermal mm-hmm. in five more years what the hell is it going to be yeah i don't know i mean there's 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 already we're already i mean you guys are seeing a little bit of it i mean south dakota's only had really thermal out there for what five years six if, years if that i mean yeah. yeah yeah when you came yeah probably five i yeah. bet the biggest difference between here is 
we've got hundreds of years worth of night hunting under our belt. Yeah. So there's Texas is probably the biggest night hunting state in the country. So you guys are kind of like your South Dakota is kind of like an infant. There's not a whole lot of guys out there that's and we already see it. Yeah. Know, and you're already yeah. yeah you're already seeing the results of some of that. But yeah. for us. There's so many guys out there that are getting thermal, and it's like it's making it – they're getting calls. It's too much fun to not want to go out and try it, but you still got to figure out the way that you can go out and just keep doing what you're doing to, you know, be successful, you know? Yeah. So, so dude, you we went through everything up until you're in the sportsman – you're on the Sportsman's Channel. Now you kind of have – went the way of social media as well right you're putting a lot of your stuff on youtube you're well over a hundred thousand subscribers oh i have no idea but we are going <laughs> how do you uh what what's your take on what what's your plans on that like uh, like act like it's not there to be honest with you because and i would love to have that that channel go to you know if we could hit a million subscribers it would be awesome the problem that I've got with that is the fact that you just, based on, you know, the people, a lot of the types of people that run YouTube, what's to say that, you know, the next day they wake up and they say, well, we're not going to have any guns or any hunting channels on YouTube, you know, and, and it's yeah, like, yeah. you can't really get too excited about that. So I'm pl- I'm basically staying optimistic and we're going to do everything we can to keep putting new content, fresh content up there. We're uploading each season we've got several we got all of our seasons are basically put in folders for playlists so if somebody hasn't watched the show they can go on the channel and actually watch all the way from season one up to about halfway we're about halfway through season five uh currently on the channel but i love the idea of being able to go and and live off of youtube and maybe one day lord willing it'll it'll get there you know but i'm not holding my breath you know, if it gets there, great. If it doesn't, I'm just kind of, you know, does that make sense? Oh, yeah. You know? do, you, do you do you see anything as far as the YouTube channel? Do you see it doing anything for your, your night crew on, on the Sportsman's channel? I mean, does it? No, to be honest with you, if anything, if if, if the YouTube keeps going like it's going, Sportsman's channel will probably take a backseat to That's our YouTube. That's kind of what I thought. I because, would, we're, uh, frankly, right now we're probably actually getting more use and more exposure through our YouTube channel, even right. with a hundred thousand subscribers or whatever it is, than we are actually through sportsman's channel. The only difference you get a lot of, you get a lot of good views and a lot of hate. Yeah, Obviously sure. you're a hunter. I mean, no matter what you put, if you're a hunter, you're a bad guy apparently. Um, but with sportsman's channel, you basically have a direct audience to people that are, you know, they're there. Yep. They're there for watch. a reason for one, you know, yep. They're hunters most likely. And they're looking for hunting shows. Um, but, and I'm not trying to be negative about YouTube, so don't take it that way. But I feel like that it's kind of, to me, it's going to be something that we're going to continue to keep filming. Even if sportsman, if we eventually, you know, transition away from sportsman's channel, we're still going to do YouTube. We're still going to keep filming. Even yep. if we don't have a YouTube channel, Yep. We're still going to be going out there and filming coyotes yep. at night, no matter what. Because at the end of the day, no matter whether we got a show or not or a YouTube channel or not, you know, kids and grandkids, grandkids, when we're dead and gone, they can pull that footage up and they yep. can say, man, look what my dad did. That's look how I look at it, too. That's yeah. exactly how I look you know, at it. 
Yep. So, so you're gonna do you, is there any uh content on YouTube that you put that you post that you upload other than stuff that you've prefabricated, stuff that you've already uh edited that say for your your sportsman's channel? And before that, is there any stipulations or guidelines, or is it all your discretion on say say you edit and, and you what produce what I can show and what I can't that's been on sportsman's? Yes, like a non compete, like temp deal, yeah. Um, there, there is to an extent. The first for the, for the first three seasons, it was a one year. Our contract that we had with Sportsman's basically gave us a one year kind of a non compete. You had to let it run on TV before you could upload it, show it anywhere. They had to have exclusive rights to each episode for at least a year, and then it was basically free and clear of that for me to do whatever with. I got you. And then after after that we basically kind of renegotiated with them because we wanted our YouTube channel at that point in time, it was starting to grow yep. and we wanted to have basically more current shows up. So what I did is I basically told them, Hey, we want to basically start building our channel to where it benefits us and not just the network. So let's cut it in half. Let's yep. do six months. So I, I basically got them to agree to, you know, once the show has been aired on sportsman's channel for six months, I can put it, upload it to our YouTube channel. That's why back in June, I started uploading season five. I got okay. you. I was wondering about that. I was yeah. wondering what that length of time was, what yeah. that duration was. Right now, was. It's, six, it's six months. You know, a lot, and there's a lot of the a lot of the guys at Sportsman Channel, are really, they're really good dudes. I mean, they're, they've been super helpful. I mean, if there's been anything that I needed or whatever, they're just they're good guys. It's just I feel like the timing – Within, I would say within the next three years, unless there's big changes made to the way that they go about, you know, airtime and their cost and stuff, unless a lot of that changes, we're probably going to start focus on more streaming stuff. Yep. YouTube and Facebook or whatever. So are you, is there content that you're uploading to YouTube that people aren't seeing on TV? Uh, yeah. Uh, like some of the kill compilations and stuff like that. We'll put just random kills up that, you know, that we... They're not actually edited night crew episodes. Yep. So something that people have never really seen before. Right. Maybe on a, on a DVD, an older DVD, if it's something really good. Yeah, we've got some stuff that's up that's Sportsman's Channel. The only thing they do see is the show itself. Yep. And then the rest of it, anything that's not in a playlist is most likely something that's just a random video that we put together. You got, I mean, you guys do a, some of the the best work that I've ever seen. I mean, as far as putting just, I think you call them a production. Yeah, we call it, I call it a production. Thank, yeah, appreciate yeah. that though. Yeah. Y'all yeah. are, I mean, serious. I can tell just by the, the, the details and stuff that we try to the link that we go to, to try to make things look a certain way. I can tell when you guys get something that's, that trips your trigger, that's some good shit. Yeah. 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 We need to go and do the extra stuff to make yep. it worth it. Yep. Exactly. You know? So it's, it's solid, but, um, as far as stuff that's on that channel that that's not on Sportsman's channel, there's really other than just kill, just kill after kill after kill videos, like just compilations and stuff like that. That's yep. about it. So, are are so you do you have any other plans that you said you don't you're you're gonna continue just to basically post? Yeah, episodes up where people can go watch them whenever they want. Try to grow yeah. your audience on YouTube right now, kind of steadily. Yeah, whenever, like I said, no matter what happens with Sportsman's Channel, we're going to continue to keep filming Night Crew. And if, you know, it it may, the one thing that I do like about YouTube is I don't have any restrictions when it comes to time. 
Yeah. You know, with sportsmen's, I have 22 minutes to work with. So I have 22 minutes to be able to get from point A to B. And if I don't have enough time to do that, then I have to start cutting stuff. And I'm like, sometimes there's some, there's some shows that just kind of need to evolve and take the time to tell them. And with YouTube, I can make 45 minute hour long shows if I really wanted to, you know? So when sportsman's channel, if we eventually get to the point where we've kind of moved on from there, we'll, People can still go on there and continue to watch new shows. The only difference is it'll be right then. Yeah. There ain't going to be no six-month wait. Yep. That's so. cool. That's a – that's a, a, a th- just having to, like you're saying, worry about trying to fit the storyline, your, your, whole, your whole production, your whole narrative, everything that you're trying to compile into your, your episode – in 22 minutes and fit everything in that's just 22 minutes doesn't seem like very long it's a long time when you got to fill it up but when you start ha- yeah that's really the thing is. where a lot of people don't that's where like i can genuinely appreciate that and that's what makes it cool to to see the kind the progression from what you because i didn't and nothing against you guys or anything i never knew what you guys did up until we made contact mm-hmm. when you were with dustin right and then you kind of we we started talking and I started looking back and I see, Oh, you guys did this and this and this. And it's really cool to see how you went from the, the CDs, the DVD. Yeah. Or sorry, the D the DVDs, the burnt the DVD discs, the VHS. Your VHS. Let me, let me, yeah. 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 yeah wait, yeah. You had a V you had the, 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 let me rephrase that. The DVD that sold, I think 65 copies. <laughs> I think I still have, what would the math be out of a thousand? I still have the boxes. <laughs> if in you, my attic. there we go. If you guys market them, dude, market them. Put, put do a trailer and put it on YouTube. Yeah, they're probably going to be out on the curb, free night yeah. DVD. Pay you but, a dollar uh, to take one. Yeah, to to see the progression and advancements, that's pretty cool to see that from there all the way to now. And like I've said before, my goal is my. I've just had a goal of a hundred thousand on YouTube. And it's been a grind to get there, to get, get there. to where I'm not there, or we're not there. But it's, oh, you'll it's get there. You're but but you have to do the work. You know what I mean? That's kind of like when we were riding today in the tractor and we we're talking, and I'm like, so does a deadline that's required by the Sportsman's Channel make you more apt to get your production or your your edited video done? And you're like, no, it, it really doesn't because you already have all that shit done. Mm-hmm. months in advance right. and see i'm like a getting to the point where i'm kind of a procrastinator and it's not good it's a little bit different i've even told i've told ronnie this a bunch i hunt probably more with ronnie than anybody um in fact like we were t- saying you you're mike heath is is ronnie you yep. know he's just always when we go he's always there yep. you know most 99 percent of the time and we were saying you know what happens when we don't have those deadlines are we still going to go four or five nights a week? I mean, so there's nights where we'll, there's weeks that we'll hunt literally four or five nights sure. during the week, get home at two thirty, three o'clock in the morning, you know, get up and do it again the next night. And uh, I thought to myself, I really feel like that, that it, with the drive that we have, we're still going to obviously go out and keep filming. But I, I honestly think that we'll probably set our own goals. If our YouTube channel keeps growing the way it is, I feel like that that incentive is there to to say we want to have from January 1st to the end of the year, we want to have 10 new episodes. Yeah. Something like that. 
and and just basically make our goals just like we always have with Sportsman's Channel and put guidelines on ourselves to be able to do that just to keep people from losing interest. Yeah, you got to you got to you got to cater to your base. You got to really cater do. to those subscribers that that want to see more. Yeah, you really do. And that's that for me it's just making sure that the people that are legitimately following the show, you know, and again we were talking too about the number of subscribers basically doesn't really reflect the actual number of hardcore night crew fans. It's yeah. always going to be, you're going to have those guys that just want to see just stuff die. Yeah. Yeah. Kill after kill after kill. But there are, like when we post a, a, a new show from like season five, you'll go on there, you know, three or four nights later, and there's a hundred comments on there that people are like, man, we've been waiting for the new episode. Yep. We've been waiting yeah. on the new episode. Because yeah. these people are actually, when they, you know, when we upload a video, they get these updates, you know, new Night Crew episode up, season five, episode six, or whatever, you know, and they're, those are the, those are the real fans. Those are the ones we care about, you know, so we'll keep, we'll keep them entertained. And if you could do, if you could do a couple, if you could do a couple videos a week, that would grow a yeah. lot. It's easier said than done though. Way easier. Uh, we could easily, if all we did was just go out and just do, do a kill, and maybe a retrieval or something like that. Yep. Just show, you know, something new, just a new kill or something like that. We could probably do one or two of those a week. Is that something that you would look at for, say, say just uh, say take Sportsman's Channel out of the equation, say your straight social media. Is that something that you would possibly consider doing yeah. to, to grow your channel? And just, to, you know, as I don't want to just say it as a filler, but a lot less strenuous of a 100%. something that you would do. Yeah, a hundred percent. And the, the thing is, is when it comes to like putting, you know, kills videos and stuff like that together, that's a lot of what YouTube is really looking for because they start recommending a lot of those videos. And, you know, for us, we've got to grow the channel as well as keep our viewers that are the hardcore viewers that are looking for each new episode, keep both of them happy. You know, we'll post a show, and they'll there's guys on there that'll be like, "Too much freaking talking." Yeah, oh, get shit, to the yeah. kill. <laughs> shit, you know, yeah. way too much talking. We want to see stuff die. You yeah, know? And, yeah. And then we'll go in there and we'll put just a bunch of kills on there, and the other people are like, <laughs> well, "Well, where'd where'd the guy that does all the talking go? You know, where'd the story go? Where'd the show go?" Yeah, I'm like, it's still there. Yeah, but you also got kind of both. You know. So you can't, you definitely dude. You see it all. I was oh just going to ask gosh. you that. Like, what's one of the main, do, do you, I, I asked do you, you really you, want to get me started. I'm going to call it duck a duck here in a minute. If you really want me to, you check the analytics I asked on, on your YouTube channel, like every so often, just to kind of see what your growth is or what your, uh, you know, how, what your views are, mm -hmm. if they're trending up or if they're maintaining or your subscribers are going up or they're going down or they're maintaining. Do you, uh, pay attention to like a lot of the, the, the you don't you can't comments you just there's so damn many I, you, you I, I i didn't before but i got this new app it's like a youtube it's called youtube dashboard i don't know if you've got that on your i account. have studio yeah this one is uh i think it's called dude dash. don't tell him dude i yeah he's don't tell his, me he's, like, he's on his phone no, and not the way yeah, it is YouTube <laughs> studio. it's the same one okay okay yep yeah, yep so yep before i had that i couldn't look i'd have to go to an individual video to look at comments and stuff like yeah. that and i'm just like yeah. if i'm bored or whatever i'll sit there and start thumbing through some of them shit yeah you know, just to see kind of what, what kind of bs is on there and there's 
there's a lot of good stuff. There's also <laughs> a lot of dumb stuff. Stupid. Stupid stuff, uneducated yeah. nonsense. Do you take the time to even engage it, or oh, do yeah. you just go, no? Yeah, I'll pretty much just, I mean, I'll pretty much let them have it. Will you? Yeah. I mean, the way, and I've kind of come to the conclusion, matter of fact, me and Keith was talking going down the road the other day, that I've come to the point that I see hunters Whenever it comes time, when you get somebody that comes to, that approaches them and says, you don't have any right to do that. You don't have any reason for justifying why you kill stuff. And the more I thought about it, number one, we don't answer to you. First thing. And the second thing is, is anytime hunters get to the point to where when somebody like that approaches them and they say, well, I need you to justify why you have the right to go out and, and do what you do. And that hunter makes the mistake of giving an excuse. That not, not only insinuates, A, I owe you an excuse, but B, it almost kind of in a way insinuates that you have to have that to be able to, to enjoy your lifestyle. And I've got to the point where it was like, you know, these people are not on our side. And no matter what we say or do, it you're never going to satisfy them. So at what point as hunters do we collectively say, basically, we don't owe you an, an explanation. This is who we are. We're hunters. We're not asking you f to explain or justify what you are and what makes you happy. So why do we owe you an excuse or justification for, for our lifestyle? You know, and, and honestly... That, that point was five years ago, if you want to be brutally honest about it. You know, people just don't understand what it means to grow up hunting and basically living a lifestyle, you know, that, that that's, what you, that's what you live for, you know. And I, I see guys all the time, they're like, well, the reason that we kill coyotes is because we're helping landowners. Well, guess what happens? The next time that that same anti-hunter goes and talks to the next guy, and that next guy says, well, I kill coyotes because I, I enjoy it. The next thing that's going to come out of that anti-hunter's mouth is, well, you shouldn't be able to kill coyotes unless you're helping a landowner. So the same excuse that I messed up and gave that person, they're going to turn around and use that. That's how they think. you know. And it's like I personally feel like that, that if – we can just come to the conclusion to be proud of who we are, you know, and stick to your guns, man. You know, stop making excuses for what you do. I, I live this way because I choose to live this way because I enjoy it. Get over it. Yeah, that's perfect. I mean, yeah. don't hate me for saying that. Yeah. That's just the way that I feel. Yep. In fact, there's the last episode that I sent to Sportsman's Channel is probably going to upset a few people because that's what I think – We've reached that point to where, you know, if we keep making excuses for who we are and what we do, where are we going to be 20, 30 years from now? Not in a good – it's already going that way. Are, are our, grand, our, grandchild, our grandchildren and, and their kids going to look at going hunting on a weekend with dad as a thing of the past that everybody used to get to do because we gave too much away? Yeah. And that's how it is too. You you give a little bit and they take a lot and it never you never get it back. And let me rephrase. Let me back up and say this: helping helping landowners, we do it all the time. In fact, that's you know if there's one good aspect of what we do is we take care of 
properties for people that have cattle. We take care of properties for people that have chickens and goats and, and stuff like that. We have donkeys. Yeah. Yeah. Donkeys too. <laughs> Farmers that have that, that, you know, they grow corn and, and plant wheat and stuff yep. like that. We kill a ton of pigs every year for these guys to, you know, legitimately helping them. Yeah. But I'm yep. not about to go and use that excuse to make you feel better about why we do it because it doesn't like you said you're never gonna satisfy them like i get and i'll i'm 100 i'll get on on youtube and i'll cater to some of the comments where somebody you can kind of nitpick through it and somebody that might have a genuine question like why do you do that if they say if they ask nicely yeah and but i'll I'll say yeah well this yeah we help landowners exactly and and that's what i'll I'll kind of i'll explain it and in the beginning i was i'm like i'm 100 percent against having to justify to you our position exactly but we don't and, owe, and, and we don't owe them that exactly but like what if there's somebody that's on that asks a question or like and you can and you might sense some a, a, a genuine question yeah, generally trying to understand it and, and versus saying well, you just kill stuff just because you enjoy killing stuff you yeah know? then and you they, just freaking it's just like they're you know hammering you like that well you know just that's you, go, you you can't argue with stupid go pound sand yep you know i don't i don't really care if that hurts your feelings you know just and do some research before you try to start making comments and, and that's the and thing your homework they, you know? they 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 won't like that's where i was just getting at so i'll mention to guys i'm like well then why do you do it and all and all since being a landowner and kind of like i said using uh i i'm not making any excuses for fun i mean it's it's a very high percentage of probably the highest it's it's fun that's why we do it if it wasn't fun we wouldn't do it i've I've said from day one it's the greatest sport on the planet yeah you know and if it's if it wasn't it would if it if it was fun if it wasn't fun it wouldn't be the greatest sport on the planet you know and that's i get you guys are in a little bit different scenario but but we are but we're not because you you, we we, it it, hunt hunting's hunting Mm-hmm. Whether you're a landowner, whether you're you're a non-landowner, whether a landowner gives you permission to hunt and and do something to help them out, mm-hmm. having to justify what you're doing to somebody that will never care oh. doesn't matter. But like I said, in no excuses. But I'll I'll, I'll say, tell someone, all right, I hunt or we do this around the place because during calving you were we're eliminating a lot of the problems, which is a hundred percent the truth. Where we'll go in. When, when maybe the, the state can't come in, we did it numerous times last year and helped landowners because there was nobody else there to do it. And we can use that and t- explain it to them. And then they'll, they'll go, well, then it goes down the freaking rabbit hole. The, the guy will yeah. go, well, why don't you just build a fence? Right there. You, you, that, that's <laughs> right. where that you, 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 you want to feel and help that person out and go, dude, you can't build a fence. You have to have a coyote can dig, right? They can dig underneath. Mm-hmm. They might be able to jump it. Well, they're going to figure out a way how to get in there, they, there's, no matter what. And then you you factor in a dollar amount where how much money is it to put a concrete footing six feet down and put a chain link fence eight feet up? That bullet's a whole lot cheaper. Exactly. Yeah. It's exactly. Lot, it's a whole lot cheaper, and it's a whole hell of a lot more fun than digging a fence. Exactly. I guess for me, the the, the way that I look at it is, and, and people are going to say, yeah, that guy on that crew, he said he don't care nothing about helping landowners. That's, that's not, not what you're saying. That's not it at all. We love being able to help landowners, but the thing is, that's a byproduct of us going out and enjoying our lifestyle. Yeah, it comes; it just comes with the territory. Yep. And I feel like that that 
when guys get to the point where they start feeling to, that they end up having to give excuses for why they're really there, I'm not going to do that. You know, if in, in the, the the day that I feel like that I caved and I had to, I, and I basically had to go and justify somebody that I consider honestly is frankly as an enemy, you know, that they're the enemy of yeah. what you and yeah. you and I believe. No matter how you slice it, at the end of the day, if they could just snap their fingers and us be gone, they would do it. Absolutely. You know, so am I going to stand idle by and not stand my ground? No, you know. But then again, you don't have the time of day to engage each one of them idiots on, no. on, 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 on and do the comments. You know, if, they're, if you're going to be an idiot, then be expected to be treated like an idiot. And if I act like an idiot, I expect to get treated like I'm an idiot. Yeah. You know? So do you think there's a fine line personally from what you do? There's a way that a guy can somewhat for there may be people there's there's people on the fence about it. I, I've talked to them. I've dealt with them, but you don't have to. It's a it's a whole nother workload to try to cater to those guys. And I'm not even going to say cater, but try to explain to those guys why to do it. Yeah, I, you know, for the first I don't know the first few years or something that that channels existed. I, there was a bunch of people that I would get on there and I would try to explain to them this and that, and they kill coyote, they kill calves and goats and chickens and all that. But you know, honestly, I think there's a point where those people. I, I mean, I could tell them anything, and no matter what I do or no matter how much breath I waste, is it going to change their attitude at the end of the day? You know, and, and it, as far as, to me, as far as being able to, to change anything, as far as benefiting other hunters, if anything, it's just standing our ground. Because I think a lot of those people that are, you know, the anti the gun grabbers and stuff like yep. that. I think a lot of those people just push and push and push and just get their finger in your face until finally somebody just stands up and says, you know what? Yeah. No. But, but dude, th look at how, you know? how far it's going into like some of the contests, like where they're actually banning coyote calling contests. And, and, and I'll even say it like this. So, you know, you got the meat eater guy where he gets a show on, on Netflix because he's hunting for his food. And, and that's another thing I touched on in this video, and that's another whole that's a whole another conversation, but I'll touch on it lightly. My personal feelings are if you're a hunter and you call yourself a hunter and you ever publicly shame another hunter for going out and hunting and enjoying the way or style or method of hunting that he goes about that he enjoys and says, you shouldn't kill it unless you eat it. In my opinion, that's absolutely the worst excuse that you could ever go and, and basically try to lift yourself up on a pedestal and make your killing more noble than another hunter's killing because you don't eat it. A, have you ever actually ate a coyote? You know, And B, the same excuse as saying, oh, well, I get to hunt because I'm helping landowners. What do you think that does for an ant? That's, that's basically echoing every anti-hunter's sentiments for anti-hunters. Because anybody that wants to shut us down, the first thing they're going to go and do is, well, unless you're going to eat it, there's no purpose for you killing it. That's not true. We do it because it's fun, it's our lifestyle, and we've, we've lived our whole life doing it. And I'm not going to stop doing it just because I'm not eating it. Exactly. That's, and, and you, you know? can, that's, that's what just needs to happen. That's just period. the bottom line. That's, that's the raw nut cutting 
you know, and I, and I, I don't know how else to put it than to just shoot you straight and tell you that's where I'm at on that. It, you know, you, you, that that's probably the easiest way to put it. And uh, like I said, you can you can explain it other ways. Where as soon as man has been introduced, and we've said this before on podcasts, as soon as if you look at the population boom that we have basically been a part of over the past hundred years, mm-hmm. millions billions of people on this earth the dynamics change every year. Look at the corn that we have to plant. It's yields, it yields 300 bushel out here in the sand hills. 10 years ago, 50, 20 years ago, when there was no roundup, it was half of that. Right. Because they're, they're, the, the food that, that people make to feed a growing population, just the hunters that are hunting deer or elk or whatever for, for their food, maybe to fill the freezer. Right. Guys like you, guys like us that are out there hunting predators that prey on the species that they hunt, mm-hmm. it's, a symbi- it's, a, it's a symbiotic relationship. And a lot of the people, I would say, and not getting political, in, in the, the more in, in, the, in the cities, basically, they accuse us of doing stuff that they don't agree with, but look at the habitat that they've depleted by building the concrete oh, jungle yeah, on so it. You, you, but you, you can't, you can't be even start to say that. You know, I, I heard something the other day. We were on our way up here. We were listening to, I think it was a Joe Rogan podcast, and had Ted Nugent on there. Oh, dude, I need to listen to that. And uh, everybody knows Uncle Ted. Well, long story short, last week we were watching. Me and uh, my wife were watching Yellowstone, and Costner was on there. They had these these anti-hunter, you know, they were down on the streets with their sign, you shouldn't kill this and that. And this one lady was on there and Kevin walked up to her and she, he said, he said, are you a vegetarian? And he's like, yes, well, I don't eat any meat. And he said, okay, whenever you go and eat that salad or whatever it is that you consider that's not meat, do you realize whenever the farmer goes and, and prepares that ground to, to grow that food that you say is, is kill-free, they kill every rodent, every snake, every grub. I mean, how? And the words that the term that he used was, "How cute does something need to be for it to be valuable to where it's okay to kill it?" Yeah. And that's the yep. thing that a lot of those kind of people don't understand. It's like, just because you see us killing a coyote or a bobcat or something like that, for them to be able to live their life, they're probably living. They're they're probably wearing a leather belt. They're yep. probably leather uh, shoes. Yeah, the, that I mean, that did that leather fall out of the sky, or was a cow killed for you to be able to to hold your pants up? You know, and that that's the kind of thing that those those types of people don't really take into consideration when they when they set out to shut down people that do what we do. You know, and even setting all that aside, it's for me them feeling good about it is not on my priority list because I feel like that if we get too concerned about making those people trying to pacify those people and make those people feel like, well, I've got a good enough explanation for why we do it. That's the, the, the wrong approach is trying to negotiate with those people because they're taken and you're given and you're not ever going to get it back. Yeah. I said something on on that show I was telling you about. I said, no, no battle has ever been won by negotiating with the enemy. Yeah. That's right. The people that won were the people that stood their ground and beat the beat the enemy. That's how you win a, a battle. And the, right now we're in a battle. No matter how you cut it, the, the, the longer it goes, the more those types of people 
start basically trying to weed us out. And I'm not, you know, it'll be a cold day in hell yep. before I cave to those people. Yep. And that's where it goes back to like we were talking about the YouTube, the social, the, the you know, the, the, the platforms, the social media platforms where they're, it's a scary deal. They're, they're really literally, inf- they're, they're infringing. It's, it's an infringement on, on, on basically your freedom of speech. You know, yeah. they're, they're, they're censoring it and it, it's a bummer deal to see. But I think like we've kind of touched on this last little segment, we all these, everybody, whether you do it for food, whether you're a trophy hunter, whether you do it for fun, for sport, for management, for protection, it's everybody needs to be on the same page. They do, and I and I I think that that we've reached a point where where hunters need to go and basically look as we need to support each other, and and not in any way basically try to put other hunters down, especially you know publicly. It's one thing to do it behind closed doors or over the phone, but whenever you basically start attacking other hunters like online or on Facebook or wherever. The first thing that you do is you're basically giving leverage to all the people that want to put us down, you know. And I, I would say I'm sorry if I offended people, some hunters that say you should eat everything that you kill. But if you really think about it, when you say that, what about all the coyote hunters? What about, you know, guys like us that we've lived our whole life and joined this sport? They, that's, the, that's the guys they're not thinking about. All they're trying to do is make it make themselves look – more noble because they killed something because they're eating it. Yeah. That's a hundred percent the mindset too. I mean, we're, we're past the days of literally having to kill our own food. We might, we might go back to it, but we're, 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 we're past those days. And there's, like I said, there's nothing against it. I, I, we do it. We just, we just did it today. I mean, that's, that's part of how our, our life is, but there's, you said it good. I mean, you're, you don't, don't, how, how many wars have been won by negotiating with the enemy? That That's how I, it is. I can't think of it. Nope. It's just how it is. That's He's a, that's, being like, Man, I can't believe that's, saying all that's this. a good way to do No, that that's how we, that's how we need to, we need to be structured. That's how hunters, we need to have guys like us growing hunting platforms like Rich and Tyler on Ultimate Night Vision, get, get a million subscribers. The guy that has, a few million, the, the gun guy, uh, demolition ranch, those guys all are part of, I guarantee you those guys that are pro gun, uh, uh, YouTubers, they don't have a problem with hunting. I'm I'm going to assume that they don't. I've, I've always looked at it like, like this. If no matter what your thing is, it could be killing rats in your front yard with an air gun. If that's your hunting, and that's what makes you happy and gives you that rush that you crave as a hunter, then so be it. Keep doing it and be proud of it, you know, and don't let any other hunter come along and make you feel like you're less of a hunter. You know, we get that comment all the time. Oh, that's not real hunting. Yeah. I'm thinking to myself, so you're, you're basically saying you're hunting and you're a real hunter because. Why? Because of why? I mean, you're telling me that basically Pursuing a wild animal almost all night at times is not hunting. I mean, that's almost laughable if you think about it. Yeah. But that's those are the kind of things that I think that we need to wake up and look in the mirror and say, okay, who does that help when you do stuff like that? And it's not other hunters. It helps the, the people that are trying to, you know, they're trying to, to shut us down. So 
I'm sorry I got off on. No, that, that's good, dude. Onto that rant. No, that's but. awesome. This is a really this is a good podcast, Chris. Awesome. Uh, we went through the whole thing from your the the start to finish. I think we got some awesome. Everybody that listens to us knows who you are. Yeah. I mean they they just do. It's an automatic. And if if you for some reason haven't, Chris runs Night Crew, and does like I said, I, I would classify it as is the highest quality videography that's out there, especially, you know, some, some of the, the night stuff. It's, it's, it's unreal, legit stuff. So, uh, we had a fun time with you guys out here. It's always fun. And, yeah, it's uh, blast. It's, it's cold. You guys got up, you guys went from a 70 degree, 80 degree day to uh, zero degrees, 80 yeah. degree temperature swing in a couple days. So, and snow and snow Our foot are better and wind. Yeah. And Rich got a salvo kill, and Chris got a. You you didn't you kill? Did didn't you shoot a coyote up here earlier? Or was that the the first one that you did? No, the other, the other night that was the first. Was one. it really? Yeah, I th- I thought he got one see before too, but I wouldn't if when you came out with car, with uh, carnivore, I would have. I don't give a shit. I would have yeah. ran the camera. No, you freaking blaze I away. I would rather be on the camera. To be honest with you, I just, I'm the same way. You know, Dustin might have got butt hurt a little bit. That would have been good to see though. That would have been so. good to see. <laughs> Anything else, dude? I don't know. What you, you, give me some questions, Keith. <laughs> Keith is like, are we gonna go kill something, or yeah. we're just gonna sit here and yak? No, we're oh, good, we're dude. Gonna. Oh, we're gonna. Don't you, you worry. You said you were about to get to the real questions. Get down to the <laughs> dirty. No, I just said it's, we're just gonna sit around and bullshit. Oh, we're good. I think we got a good one though. That yeah. that's awesome, Chris. We appreciate it. We got some good information on on what you do, how you've got to where you are. And we're excited to see where you continue to go, dude. All yeah. all the luck, best of luck from us to you. And uh, we appreciate it. Oh, it's, my, it's definitely my pleasure. We've definitely had a blast coming down. We appreciate the invite. You know, we don't take it lightly. Yeah. So. yeah, hopefully we can do a collab sometime again. Do some some work again. You're welcome here anytime. Sure. Like I said, you guys are welcome. Y'all need to. I know. Figure out a way to get to Texas. We do. We That's what Tyler was saying. First. Huh? We got to get out of South Dakota first. Yeah, that might help. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna mute us out. And uh, once again, guys, this has been a Predator Hunter podcast. We had Chris Robinson from Night Crew on. We had Keith Rissy with us along. We kind of went through everything he's done where he's going and a ton of good info i hope you guys enjoyed it i hope you found it entertaining but more importantly we hope you found it informational and we are out